You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We are finishing the last part of this series, Psalms 23. I would say we could keep going because it's been so good, but we're at the last verse, so we got to land the plane. Psalms 23, verse 6 is where we are finishing this up. The last scripture of Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Every scripture we have looked at, we have also attached a name of God, an attribute of God to each scripture that we see that God is a multifaceted God. He's not just God sitting on the throne. He's God our righteousness. He's God our provider. He's the all-sufficient one. We see all these different names of God who also shows us different sides of God so that when we have a relationship with Him, we can see what we need at the time that we need them. And also, He has all of these names. He has all of these attributes. He has all of these different things which is so wonderful for me in my relationship with God because I can always see a new side of God. talks about in Revelations how the angels right now are, 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 are flying around His throne room singing, holy, holy, holy are you God. And as they fly around Him, as they're in the throne room, it says they're seeing a new side, they're seeing a new dimension, they're seeing something new about God every time they fly around Him which encourages me that no matter how much I study this Bible, no matter how much I'm in His presence, no matter how much I hear His voice, there's still more and there's still a deeper relationship that I can have with Him. It never gets old. That's why the Scripture says that we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, because I see a new side of God as I grow older. On October 1st, me and my wife celebrated 10 years of being married. A whole decade of being married. And there's still things after 10 years of being with my wife that I'm learning about her. Things that she likes that she doesn't like. Things that she hates about me. (laughs) Things that she loves about me. We're experiencing things together. New things that we're, we're eating We're enjoying. We have kids now, and we're finding out how good and bad of parents we are and how we parent each kid, and now we have a boy and a girl, and how we handle each kid differently. We're learning so much more about each other. The longer I go in this relationship with her, the more beautiful she is, the more I learn about her, the more I enjoy her, the more hopefully she enjoys me, the more I enjoy my kids, the more they get older. Eliza turns two at the end of the month. And just in the two years of being with her and seeing the personality and the fun that I've had with her, I can't wait until she's four, until she's six, until she's eight. As we go, maybe not when she's a teenager, but maybe after a teenager, we'll have a lot of fun. So we see as we've studied Psalms 23, the different sides and facets and faces of God that we can lean on Him when we need Him. He's Abba Father. He's our righteousness. He's our judge. 
He's our protector. He's our provider. And today in Psalms 23, verse 6, we're going to see that He is our peace. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. The Lord is our peace is the name that we're going to associate with this scripture. Jehovah Shalom is mentioned only actually once in the Bible in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6, verse 24. We'll start in 23, thank you. Then the Lord said to him, God is talking to Gideon. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you, and do not fear, you shall, you shall not die. That's a pretty good scripture. It's a pretty good word from the Lord. All three of those. I'll take all three of them. So Gideon, immediately upon hearing that, builds an altar. I would too. As soon as God tells me, peace, don't be afraid, and you're not going to die, I would fall down and worship him too. Oh, well, thank you built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in Oprah of the uh, those people. You see, Gideon, if you haven't read this portion of the scriptures, Gideon is hiding and he's threshing wheat and trying to get a little bit of meal to make, a bre- make bread and he's hiding from the enemy. And he's gathered a little bit of crops. It says he's hiding like in a wine press as he's trying to work through these crops so that he can have something to eat. And the Lord shows up and the Lord tells him, be at peace. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Now he's in a pretty dire situation. He's got an enemy who's attacking him and his family and his people, trying to overtake them. They've also taken their crops, taken their food, taken things from them. So he's having to hide the food that he can find, the food that he can scavenge away as he's trying to make a meal. So they won't take the food from him, so they won't kill him. It's a pretty serious situation. It would be hard for me to have peace in that situation, if I'm being honest. I'm being attacked by an actual enemy with swords and weapons that are looking for me, that are searching for me, that are trying to kill me and my family. They've also taken all of my money. They've also taken all of my food. And finally, I've found some place where I could get some food. I'm excited because I'm probably going to be able to eat or feed my family. So he's trying to hurry and prepare the crops and and work through the crops that he's gotten so that he can get the food, eat the food, give the food to his family so that he can live and fight and survive another day. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he probably doesn't have peace in that situation. He is probably terrified. He is probably wondering where his God is, what's going on, what's happening, and then God shows up in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the thing. He shows up. And the first thing that he tells him is, peace be with you. Imagine you are hiding from the enemy, trying to do this quickly, and all of a sudden this person shows up and says, hey, I probably have to change my shorts or something after that. Oh, my God, what, who is this? What's going on? He says, no, 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 peace be with you. What I bring is peace. What I bring is the, is the opposite of fear. What I bring is protection. What I bring is something that can help you and hold you and sustain you. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. You shall not die. 
the exact answer that he needed at the exact moment that he needed it, and immediately he builds an altar. He stops what he's doing, stops cooking the food. He's not worried about the enemy because when you built an altar, it usually includes a sacrifice and it includes a fire, which also includes smoke, which is a great, hey, to the enemy, I'm over here, come hang out with me. Builds an altar, builds a sacrifice, builds a fire, falls down. And in not in a, a, a place of defense, says that he calls it, the Lord is my peace, and he worships right there. When you worship, worship is, is not a defenseful position. During worship, usually my eyes are closed and my hands are raised. That's usually not a fighting position. I'm not ready for the enemy to come and attack. But Gideon understood the Lord is my peace. And if he's my peace and he's protecting me and he's helping me and he's saving me, then whom shall I fear, the scripture says. The Lord is my peace. There's a scripture that Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself, what's he going to do? Give you peace. Look at this, how much God wants to get to you, how much God wants to give you, how much God wants to help you. He's not sitting up in heaven being like, well, I can't believe they screwed this up again. Let's see how they get out of it. Oh, I hear them praying, but we're going to let them, they got to pray at least seven times. That's a holy number. They'll pray seven times before I answer their prayer. No, no, no. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace once a week, once a month, always in every way. The Lord be with you all. God is not trying to withhold peace from you. If you were lying down in your bed and you were dealing with whatever you're dealing with, and there's knots in your stomach, and you hate the thought of tomorrow, and you're frustrated with this and you're frustrated with that, you toss and turn all night. In Psalms it says, you will lie down in peace and sleep, and in the Lord you'll dwell in safety. Now, may the Lord of peace himself is my prayer for you all today. May he give you peace always in every way so that you know that the Lord is with you all. Let's look at Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The last two benefits of being a sheep in the shepherd, in the flock of the great shepherd, the twelfth benefit is surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That sounds like a pretty good thing. We're getting toward the end of all the benefits of being a sheep in the overseer of our souls, flocks, and you would think that as you read through the benefits of what God is going to give you, they would progressively They'd be like really good at first, and then they would kind of slow down. You know, when you're, when you're reading something or trying to get some type of benefit, usually the small print, the last print, usually has all these little things that aren't usually the best. But God, being so gracious, he just keeps stacking blessing upon blessing, benefit upon benefit upon benefit. The last two benefits that we see, the one we're looking at, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. Psalms 27, verse 13. Psalms 27, verse 13. David says, I would have lost heart 
unless I had believed. And what did he believe? That I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not, not when I die, not when I get to heaven, but right now, right here. In my situation, Jesus, it feels like, is sleeping on the boat. There's water pouring in. The waves are rolling in. The wind is blowing us in contrary places. The disciples were bailing the water out. Your life right now, you're just bailing the water out as it's just, it feels like wave after wave. Jesus, do you care might be your prayer that you're praying. You're in good company because David had the same thing. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have quit unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God. I don't know how this situation is going to turn out. I don't know how your situation is going to turn out. But I know and I pray and I believe that you are going to see the goodness of God in that situation. It's not going to bring you to your grave. If he said it, he's going to do it. His word will not return void. He is Jehovah Shalom, the one who brings peace. And not who just brings it, but he is peace and is willing to give it to you. I don't have this on the screen. It's Romans 2, verse 4. You can read it later. It says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Not the anger of God, not the wrath of God, not the reminding you of how much you are a sinner. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Because when I see his face and I see what he's done for me and I've, I feel his presence and I hear his voice and I see his hand moving on my life and my family's life and my church's life, it doesn't make me feel like I've, given a, I've been given a license to sin. It feels like I've been given a license to be free from sin. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. The goodness of God showing up, Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who has a, a small amount of mercy, has just a little bit that he could barely pour out on you. No, no, no. We have an abundant God, a God who loves to give, a God who loves to bless, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 5, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Even when you were dead, even when you were running away from him, even when you were a lost sheep hiding and running, goodness and mercy were looking for you. The shepherd was looking for you to pour out his goodness and his mercy upon you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That phrase, shall follow me, almost sounds similar to why we're called pressed, but in the Hebrew, that word is radap, R-A-D-A-P, and it means to follow after earnestly. It means to pursue or chase. It means to hunt. It means to run after, usually with hostile intent. I like that definition. Surely goodness and mercy will run after you with hostile intent all the days of your life. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall hunt after you, shall pursue you, shall chase after you, shall follow you earnestly all the days of your life. If you ever watched the show Cops or Cops PD or PD Live or whatever it was called, and and the police would get in a pursuit against a criminal, and they're running after that person to capture them. The person's running all over the place, that the cops just stay right behind them. They run after them. If they jump over a fence, the cops go over the fence. Who knows what's on the other side of the fence? They run into traffic, the cops right after them, running into traffic. They're jumping over cars. They're running in parking lots. They're running in neighborhoods. They're pursuing that person. And then if they lose the person by chance, the person's hiding in the bushes or whatever, the cops usually don't say, well, we lost him. Let's go home, guys. That was a good chase. I guess we'll find him tomorrow. No, no, no. They purposely set up a perimeter. They start hunting. They start looking. They get the dogs out, have them smell. Let's go find him. The cops, when they're pursuing someone, their intent is to capture that person and to grab them. The guy just keeps on running and, whew, that guy's fast. I'm going to take a break. We'll get him later. No, no, no. The cop's idea is to purposely pursue until they capture that person. Even if they hide, they capture that person. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you can look at it on YouTube. There's something. Remember as a kid, we used to play tag? Tag, you're it. And then we'd run. Ah, can't catch me. And then somebody would touch you. And if you played freeze tag, that was even more intense because then somebody had to crawl underneath your legs so that you could be unfrozen. And then you can keep running. But there's something called professional tag. Oh, no, never freeze tag? Uh-oh. <laughs> That's a Louisiana thing then. Um, <laughs> there's professional tag. You can look at this on YouTube where there's this arena that is built with all of these obstacles in the way. And there's two people in this arena. And they have to chase each other and try and capture the other person in 20 seconds. And it's like parkour and tag combined together as they're jumping over these metal things and sliding under things. And it's crazy to see as this one person is doing as much as they can to get away from the person, the other person's responsibility is to tag them. And so they're doing every move. They're going under, they're going above, they're jumping, they're going to the highest place, they're going to the lowest place. They're doing whatever they can to grab that person. The great shepherd Jesus has two helpers to watch over his flock and its goodness and mercy. And no matter where the sheep go, Jesus makes sure that his two helpers, goodness and mercy, do whatever they can to come and get you, to come and find you. Just because you're hiding and you said, well, I sinned today, so I don't think God wants to talk to me or loves me or cares about me. No, no, no. Jesus sends goodness and mercy to follow after you, to find you, to help you. And they're not going to stop until they get to you. For the rest of your life, goodness and mercy are going to chase after you. 
Your past, you might think your past can chase after you. You might think your, your sins, your faults, your failures are chasing after you. But if you're a sheep and you've submitted your life to the shepherd, then what's chasing after you is not your sin because the shepherd has forgotten about your sin. What is chasing after you is his goodness and his mercy to help you as you go forward in life. If you ever feel the need to look back behind you and look at the past, all you're going to see is goodness and mercy right there behind you. Do you need something? Can I help you with something? What are you trying to remember? Are you trying to remember the goodness of God? Are you trying to remember when he saved you, when he healed you, when he helped you? Because you can remember that. That's the goodness of God. And you're like, well, no, I remember my sin, my fault, my failure, my insecurities. And then mercy steps up and says, we've already forgiven you. We've already let your Jesus' blood cover you. We've already taken care of that. His mercy is new every morning. Step into a new batch of mercy and go out there and succeed. Keep moving forward. Don't go back. Keep moving forward. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. But there's also some things that are ahead of you and around you as well. Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. You've heard me quote this scripture and you'll hear me quote it many of times. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. You're no longer sinners. You are righteous. So this is you. He's talking about you. And with favor, you will surround him or her as with a shield. So not only do I have goodness and mercy following me, pursuing me, all the days of my life, even right now in this moment, the favor of God, the grace of God is surrounding me, and not just surrounding me, but surrounding me like a shield to protect and push off the attacks of the enemy. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, and the Lord, he is the one, where's he at? He goes before you. He will be with you he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed because Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, is with us. He's behind us. He's around us. And he's in front of us preparing the way for us. I don't know what your situation is, but that should make you a little more excited about what tomorrow's going to bring. God's already fighting for you in the future. His favor and grace is surrounding you right now in the present, and goodness and mercy is pursuing after you and covering and hiding your past. Glory be to God. I'm glad I woke up for that. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. There's some scriptures in the Bible where I scratch my head, I ask God, why is this in there? This is one of those scriptures, because I don't, if I'm being honest, it's hard for me with this first part of the scripture. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and the thing that he says is, be anxious for nothing. Time out. Time out, God. We got to talk about this. Nothing. Do you know my life? Do you know the chaos around my life? I have kids. I have a job, I have a church, I have a house, I have a dog, I have a cat, I have two cars, I have family in Louisiana, I have family here in South Carolina, I have friends here, I have friends there. Jesus, do you watch the news? How dare you write this scripture? I want to rip this one out of my Bible. Be anxious for nothing? How can I do that? It is physically impossible for me to be anxious about absolutely nothing. 
but God is good, and he gives us the answer on how to be anxious about nothing. He doesn't just say that and then leave the scripture. Hey, be anxious about nothing. Good luck. Be anxious for nothing. How do I do that, God? Please answer that. In everything. Oh, okay. So if I'm not anxious in anything, then I have to do something in everything by prayer and supplication. Oh, that puts the onus on me to have a conversation with God when I am anxious, when I am feeling frustration, when I am dealing with things in my life. The first thing I should do is not talk about the situation with everybody around me, but I should talk about the situation to God with prayer and supplication. And then look, the next thing, prayer, supplication, and now thanksgiving. So I prayed about it. I supped about it, and I've even thanked God about it before the answer has even come. And I thank God before I've even made the request. Thank you that you're a good God. Thank you that you're the God of peace. Thank you that you're on my side. Thank you that you are the victory. And because you are the victory and you're on my side, that means I'm victorious. Thank you that the favor of God surrounds me like a shield. Thank you that your favor continually goes with me with God and with man. I'm already thanking him about it. And then it says, make your request known. God, I need you to show up in this situation. Let it be known to God. Don't hide it from him. Don't complain about it. Well, God never cares about me. He never shows up. He never does nothing. Let your request be made known to God. And what happens when you're feeling yourself being anxious, you start that prayer journey, you let God know what is going on, look at the response, and immediately the peace of God shows up. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't understand how people can overcome things in their life. I don't understand how people can deal with what's going on out there in the world And not know the peace of God, not know the hand of God, not hear his voice, not encounter him. Because what happens when the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, I don't understand how it happens, but I'm so thankful that it does, it guards my heart and mind. The place where the anxiety occurs in my heart and in my mind. So I've got the favor of God surrounding me like a shield, and then I've got the peace of God that's inside my mind and inside my heart that is trying to block out those thoughts and those ideas. And some of us, if we're being honest, like that feeling of anxiousness. We like that little party that we throw. We like to go on social media and, well, it was another bad day. I can get my comments from the people to say, oh, so sorry to hear. Hope it gets better. And I understand we need to reach out to people and ask people for help and prayer. That's not fine. But first, let's do this. Because this is where the peace comes from, the ultimate, the perfect peace. Be anxious for nothing. Pray, request, and then, it's important, receive the peace of God. Let it guard your heart and mind. So the next time that situation happens, you say, no, 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 not today. We're not going to go down that spiral again like we did last time. God's on my side. I've got the mind of Christ. I'm going to use these scriptures. I'm going to use his word. I'm going to use the things that he's told me and taught me to fight this again. It's not going to take me down like it did last time. It's not going to shut me down like it did last time. I'm going to overcome it by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep believing it. I'm going to keep speaking it until I see my situation change because God is a good God. Amen. And the last benefit, 
I guess it's fitting for being in October, the 13th benefit. Ooh, spooky. The 13th and final benefit that we see in Psalms 23 is the last part of the scripture. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for one day until I sin, until I mess up, until God gets tired of me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. I like that word. But we think when we hear this scripture that he's just talking about in the by and by when I close my eyes and I go up in the sky and I get to hang out with God. We think, oh, I'll get to dwell in the house of God forever. All my problems will be gone. All the things will be done. And I'll just, I'll deal with it now. I'll suffer for Christ now. And then when I get to heaven, whoo, we'll have a party. We'll, I'll really be able to relax and I'll finally understand the peace of God. That's not how God works. That's not the intent that God has for you. He says in the scriptures that Jesus came to give life and more abundantly. He didn't die on the cross just for you to live a a miserable, worthless, tiring, exhausting experience of a life and then go celebrate in heaven. If I'm being honest, if that's the way Christianity worked, I would not be a pastor and I would not be in church at all. If that's how Christianity was sold and promoted to people, well, trust God, believe him, your life is going to suck from this point on as soon as you say yes to God. But the good news is once you die, you'll go to heaven and you'll hang out on a cloud with a harp forever and, and you'll be happy. So you're telling me that if I decide to join being a Christian, join your church, give to your church, give money, all these things, I just got to deal with my life. My life does not change at all until I die. I'm out. I'm going to go enjoy it somewhere else. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go look for a different religion. It's not a good selling point, but that's not what God did. He sent his son to earth to show us the relationship between him and the father, and he sent his son to show us how to have a victorious life, how to walk on water, how to multiply a basket of fish and chips, how to raise the dead, how to save people, how to encourage people, how to call people out of sin, how to seek and save that which is lost. He showed us what a victorious life is, not just to show us like, this is what I can do, good luck for you. He showed us that life so that we could walk in that life and be victorious in our life. That we have the answer for ourselves and we have the answer for this world the hope of glory, Christ in us. So we see that there are different areas of dwelling in the house. In Psalms 27, verse 4, David is writing, and he's writing about the temple, and he says, one thing I have desired that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the, oh, the, beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing that I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord all my life. And so he's not talking about a future once I die. He's talking about the church. That God created a group of people, an organization, an opportunity on this earth that we could dwell in the house of the Lord. It shut down in other places, in other countries, in other parts of the world, but not here. I love these open windows. 
and looking out into the community as people drive by as I preach, because that tells me that we are still free that I can still say that God is Lord, that he sent his son to die for us. I can still preach the gospel openly, that my mic is still loud enough that people walking by can hear us preaching. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not worried about somebody kicking in these doors and shutting us down and arresting us and killing us for saying the simple gospel message that Christ died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. We are still free and we're still a free nation. But also, God, you still got to do some work in this nation. But we're the agents of change in this world. One thing that I desire, that I dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that we can come to church and we can experience his presence, we can experience his people, we can experience his power, we can experience his peace, we can experience his prosperity, and we can experience the passion of his people as we come together and worship in one accord. It's one way that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another way, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you and me? Whom you have from God. God did this. God gave you this. He gave you his spirit. He put him inside of you, and you are not your own. Look at verse 20. For you were bought with a price. Don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget that glorious blood, that glorious breath, that glorious gospel message that Jesus died for your sins, and what he did for you was good enough to believe upon him, to confess upon him, and believing upon him and what he did is good enough to get you saved and get you in right standing with God, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I can go to church and dwell in the house of the Lord forever, but I also have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside me, also known as the house of the Lord, forever. And then... The last one we have in Revelations chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And I, being John, as he's having this vision, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Thank you, Lord. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And God, praise God, will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't want to diminish the fact that when we do die, we do get to go to heaven. The other option is a whole lot worse, so I hear. But that God would save us, give us an opportunity as a family to come together here on earth, put his spirit inside of us, and then the God of abundance makes the decision that he's going to allow you to come live with him for eternity. There's a famous statement by Benjamin Franklin that I actually learned from my mother-in-law, and it says, guests, like fish, begin to smell after three days. Guests, like fish, begin to smell after three days. 
If I asked you to open your house to everyone in this church right now and let them come stay with you just for tonight, everybody here, we're going to go to your house, we're just going to stay with you tonight and hang out. All of your thoughts are absolutely not. The doors are shut, the lights are off, we're not home. What if I asked you, well, will you let your friends, your family, your coworkers, that weird family member, would you let them come stay with you? Would you let people from the community come stay with you for a day, for a week, for a year? What about for eternity? Would you let them come stay with you for eternity? That'd be fun. I don't know how God does it and is going to do it, where he sent his son to die for us, which is mind-blowing to begin with. I love you all, but it would be very hard, if not impossible, for me to sacrifice my son or my daughter to save any of you. I love you all, and I would assume you would say the same thing about me. You would not sacrifice your children to save my life. You would say, well, you're old enough, you love God, you'll go to heaven. Good luck, buddy, see you on the other side. I'm not sacrificing my kids for you. But God made the decision, and Jesus willfully agreed to sacrifice his son, and not only sacrifice him, but ignore him, put all of his wrath, all of his anger upon him so that he could save all of humanity. That's good enough. Thank you, God. That's all you had to do. But then he made the decision that he wanted you and me, his prized possession, to come live with him for eternity. You know what? It's cool that you're down there, but why don't you come to my house and we'll hang out there for eternity. Thank God it was Benjamin Franklin that said, guests start smelling after three days and not God in the Scriptures. That he's invited everyone. It says in the scriptures that he is not ashamed to call you brethren. If we're being honest, there's probably one, maybe two people in your family that you're ashamed to call family. And if nobody comes to mind, you're probably the one that they're ashamed to call. (laughs) Going to be the bearer of bad news. God says, I'm not ashamed to call you family. And I'm so not ashamed of you, I want you to come live with me for eternity. Psalms 23, what a beautiful chapter. Beautiful chapter. We see Psalms 23, verse 1, God as Jehovah Ra, our shepherd. We see in Psalms 23, verse 2, we see the face of God as, I've got a lot of notes here, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. In verse 3, we saw him as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Verse 4, we saw him as Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts the Lord of the armies. Verse 5, we saw him as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And today we see him as the Lord of peace, Jehovah Shalom. If you've been here through this whole sermon series and you've paid attention or written down notes or whatever, I counted, I have given you over the last six weeks over 70 different scripture passages that we've read. Isn't it amazing that we've gone through? That's not scriptures, that's just passages that we have discussed. Probably well over a hundred scriptures that if you've been here that you have been washed in, in the Word of God in Psalms 23. And the beautiful thing about Psalms 23 is it shows you the full aspect of your life. The moment you make the decision to follow Him, the Lord is my shepherd, everything changes in your life. You are no longer a sinner, you are righteous. You are no longer an enemy, you are now a sheep. In the flock of God. 
And then Psalms 23 just shows you the journey of your life going forward. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this journey that he takes me on, he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me besides the still waters, restores my soul. In the bad parts of your life, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's correction, there's, there's health, there's benefits there. In verse 4, it says, my brain's going down here. We've got to shut it down. Yea, though I walk... Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And as you come to the end of your life, as we finish with Psalms 23, he just lets us know that I'm with you forever. I'll take care of you. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, the benefits start unrolling and unraveling in your life. He's with you in the good parts. He's with you in the bad parts. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's surrounding you with all these things. And then he's saying at the end, after we've gone through this whole journey together, this beautiful relationship with me and you together, we'll end up in heaven and we'll celebrate for eternity. Psalms 23, amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a two-edged sword, and it cuts us from spirit to soul, and it cleanses us, and it helps us, and it restores us. Father, I thank you that you're our shepherd. I thank you that you're our great shepherd, the overseer of our soul. Father, I thank you that you are our peace. Father, I thank you that your peace is resounding and residing on each person today, that they will leave here today with a refreshing in their spirit, knowing without a shadow of a doubt that surely they will see the goodness of God. They won't quit believing, but today their belief, because of the faith that comes to them by hearing the word of God, has been brought to a new level. They've gone from faith to faith today to believe one more time that God is going to show up in that situation. And God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to be their shepherd and take care of them and bring miracles, signs, and wonders to this situation. Father, you move. I don't know how else it's going to happen, but you know how it's going to happen, and you move in that situation. You make something happen today in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that your word says they have the mind of Christ because the Lord of peace is on their side. I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. I thank you that everything that they do as they move forward in life is stepping in a step of victory, not of defeat, but they are walking knowing that they are victorious. Father, I thank you that they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, I ask you to bless these people. Protect your flock Keep us safe until we return again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.